everyone actively serving. So what we're talking about today in our continuing series on the health and the mission of the church. We've talked about how ultimately we exist as a church for the glory of God. Christ is the head of this church. We long to see him glorified. And we do that by fulfilling the mission that he has given us to make disciples. So ultimate ways that we glorify uh, God is through making disciples. So evangelism is reaching out with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to those that are not yet saved so that they become followers of him, they become saved. Discipleship is us uh, growing together uh, uh, better and better uh, disciples and followers of him, becoming more like Christ, doing what he calls us to do. And part of that is caring for each other. But if we're going to fulfill this mission to make disciples, we need to be working together and actively involved in doing that. So this means that everyone is to be a part of this work. Everyone serving, everyone active in serving. So if we think about what a healthy church would be, I want to say this, a healthy church, in a healthy church, every member embraces the fact that he or she is an essential part of fulfilling the mission. There are some churches where they say different numbers are thrown around that, uh, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, or sometimes even say, you know, 10% do 90% of the work. And that's not a healthy church when you're like that. It's not a healthy church when only a few do it, or you say, well, that's somebody else's job. You know, this great um, uh, volunteer, staff person, whoever it is, named someone else that is always there to, to do everything. Or you say, well, I'm here, and we'll just, we'll just pay a few people to, to do all the work of the ministry. Uh, we're going to see as we look at this message that's not God's calling for us, that's not a healthy thing. But instead, every member, whether you're a formal member, whether you're a part of this church, that you embrace the fact, you realize it, you're putting it into action, that you are not an optional part of the mission, but essential. That God wants to use you. God is, there's something missing if you are not being a part of this work, of the mission of the church that we have. So let's read for one of the passages uh, that talks about this, uh, that we're going to look at more in depth from Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 11 here. It says, And he, this is talking about Christ, Jesus Christ, and he gave the apostles and the prophets, and the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which with it is equipped, when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Even in just that passage, we see so many things we've been talking about in this series and we'll continue to talk about in the future messages. Christ is the head of the church. 
Uh, we are called to uh, help each other to be growing into maturity, not remaining baby Christ Christians, uh, even when somebody does become a Christian, but growing up to maturity, aiming towards that. Unity, working together towards that as well. Uh, but we're going to be talking about specifically something it talks about in verses 11 and 12, a little bit, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. The first point I want to make uh, in talking about this is, I want to make this statement, is that the Christian life is not a spectator sport. I think we just really need to understand and embrace that. Christian life is not a spectator sport. Uh, we do not have, if, you, if you've noticed in the aisles, we do not have any uh, ushers right now selling peanuts, okay? We don't because this is not a, a spectator sport. Uh, they're not selling peanuts or refreshments or doing that uh, like it would be at a sporting event. It is sports. If you say, if someone says, I like sports, you could mean one or two different things. You could mean that you like watching sports, or you can mean that you like playing sports. Both of those mean that you like sports, but does it mean that you like just watching it or you like playing sports? In the same way, if someone was to say, I like Christianity, or I like church, what do you mean by that? When you say, I like church, does that mean I like going to church, watching church, or does it mean I like being the church? being part of the church, being active as the church. You know, in medieval Christianity, uh, before the time of the Reformation, uh, things had developed so that there was this view that you had the clergy and then you had the laity. And the clergy were the ones that were actually called into ministry and they did ministry. So you had the, you know, the priests and the bishops and you had monks and nuns and things like that. And they were the ones, they did ministry. They had a calling and everyone else, most people, uh, just the, the, called them the laity, you know, they didn't do ministry. That was, that was for the, the clergy to do that. And so they would come, and even when they came to church, they just kind of watched and saw the people doing the ministry, doing their thing. And we like to think that we've gotten beyond that, but oftentimes that is still just how it is. And even some of uh, the way that Bibles have been translated kind of reflect that older way of thinking. You know, sometimes punctuation can make a big difference in meaning. This is a magazine cover I saw at one point, and I think it shows that how uh, punctuation can change the meaning of a, of a sentence. And so here's the cover on uh, Rachel Ray here. It says, Rachel Ray finds inspiration in cooking her family and her dog. I don't think that's how they meant it, but now I'm scared to ever go to her house for Thanksgiving because uh, she's inspired by cooking her family and cooking her dog. So yes, uh, punctuation can change the meaning of something uh, quite a bit. And when we look at the passage that we just read, I read it out of the English Standard Version and maybe you have a different version in front of you, uh, but in some of the older translations, it was punctuated in a way that I think that changed the meaning, or at least reflected kind of the older way of thinking about who did the ministry. And so, in Ephesians uh, 11 through 12, let me show you this. 
Um, this would be the, the King James Version, and I'm not saying you can't use the King James Version, but I do think there's uh, something in the, the punctuation here that reflects kind of an older way of, of thinking. Um, let me read it to you. It says, and he gave, and then it talks about the apostles and the prophets uh, and evangelists, and you know, they were given um, the apostles and prophets for the foundational era of the church. You know, we depend on them. They gave us uh, scripture, and they were for uh, Ephesians 2.20. says that the, uh, uh, they're part of the, the foundation of the church. They're important, but I don't believe they're given today. Uh, evangelists, uh, think missionary church planters, okay? But then it talks about pastors and teachers. And we're going to look at another translation, and it might say uh, pastors or shepherds and teachers, because that's what a, a pastor is, is a shepherd, think you're like pastoring the sheep, caring, you know, for the, for the sheep. And also, the way that it is written in Greek is that it's not two different uh, people, pastors, there's pastors, and then there's teachers, but you could almost hyphenate it. Uh, the way it's written in Greek is pastors and teachers, that it's all kind of one office. Uh, so, yes, uh, I am a pastor teacher for the church. Uh, pastor Zach is another pastor teacher for for the church. Now, I want to point this out that in the original manuscripts that were written, actually, they didn't have the punctuation. Okay, so it's added in by editors, translators, uh, but as far as what they think makes sense. And again, I think this reflects kind of an older way of thinking. And it says, for the perfecting, here's why God gave to the church uh, pastor teachers, and he lists some reasons. For the perfecting of the saints, and then there's a comma, I colored it yellow there so you can see it for the perfecting of the saints and then for the work of ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now I want to say perfecting uh, can also be translated as um, equipping the saints for ministry. We'll see that in ESV so that's not the, the, the big difference here. Also when it talks about saints, don't think that just means you know Mother Teresa or Saint you know Michael or whatever. Uh, that was kind of the Middle Ages or Roman Catholic understanding too. Uh, but according to Scripture, it calls everyone that is a genuine believer in Jesus Christ a saint. A saint is a holy one. And you've been declared holy by, uh, by the Lord the moment that you put your faith, faith in Jesus Christ and you trusted in him. Uh, so every Christian is a saint. Every Christian is, uh, that's what it's talking about here. Um, and edifying means to be, to be built up. All right, so that's a King James version, and it's going to give a certain mindset. Pretty much all the other versions that we see kinda, that are after that, including the New King James, they leave out that comma, okay? So let me show you the ESV. It says, and he gave the shepherds and teachers, okay, translating a little different, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, and then it, it goes on as we read. Now, notice the difference that having a comma there makes or doesn't make. What is the role of the pastor teachers? In the older way of thinking, and with a comma there, he gave the pastors and teachers for a few things. Um, yeah, for the perfecting or equipping of the saints. That's kind of one reason. And then he gave them for the work of the ministry, so, yep, the pastor's there, there to do the work of the ministry and then for the edifying the body of Christ and for, and for so on. But look at the difference it makes if you leave out that comma, which I think is how this is actually intended to be. Then what is the role of the pastors and teachers? 
that he gave the pastors and teachers to, oops, click one too many times. He gave the, the shepherds and the teachers, the pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's a pretty big difference, isn't it? One is saying that it is the job of just the clergy, the pastors, you know, the, 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 the professionals, those specially set apart to be doing the work of ministry. But the other is saying that it's the job of all of the saints, of all Christians, that we've all been set apart for ministry. And therefore the job of pastors and teachers is not just to have us do the ministry and you watch us do the ministry, I mean, you pay us to do the ministry, but instead we are to equip you, to equip everyone so that we're all doing ministry, God's work of service, together. This is a big game changer. To make it clear, let me ask you, we'll do a few questions here to see if we uh, can get this. Assuming that this second way is the way that it's meant to be, who are the main people doing the ministry? The pastors or is it all Christians? How many vote? Just the pastors. How many vote all Christians? Good job. What is the pastor's job according to this? Is it doing the ministry? Now there is ministry we're supposed to be doing. We're not denying that. Or is it be equipping all of the members, all of the Christians for ministry? How many vote for A? How many vote for B? Yeah, it's equipping all of the Christians, all of the believers for the work of ministry. And last one here, what is the role of all the members? Is it to watch the pastor or the pastors do ministry, to observe this? Or is it to do ministry? I'll ask you again, how many vote for option A? No one? How many option B? Yeah, to do ministry, to be doing the work of the ministry. Yeah, this is a game changer. This changes it from the way that it was in the Middle Ages and honestly in a lot of churches today, whether it's Protestant or otherwise, where it's like you have the people that we pay, the people that we do that, they do the ministry, we'll come watch, maybe you know, write a check so that you can do it and we don't, we don't have to. But what we're talking about is that in a healthy church, every member, every person that's a part of the church realizes that, that you are, are an essential part of doing the ministry, fulfilling the mission of the church. This is, changes the church when you embrace this. This changes your identity. This is going to change your view of why God has you here on this earth as well. It's going to change your view of your, your purpose in the life and all of this. Sometimes people will talk about, you know, somebody deciding to go be a pastor or whatever, and they're going into ministry or something like that. Biblically, all Christians are called to ministry. This means that you are a minister, okay, doing ministry. Okay, repeat after me. I am a minister. Yeah, you are. Now, it doesn't mean that we're saying that you're a, a pastor, elder, or a deacon, but you are a ministry. You're called to service. You're called to ministry for the Lord. Uh, you don't go into ministry. You are in ministry. You're called to do that as a Christian. You're called to that the day that you were saved. And you will do some ministry that, that I would never do, that I could never do, because God has equipped each of us differently 
with our skills, abilities, life, background, connections that you have with different people. And there's people that you're going to be able to impact, you're going to be able to reach, uh, different skill sets, spiritual gifts that you have that I don't have. I don't believe that God has given anybody to the church that is just the Swiss army knife of all abilities and all spiritual gifts. And maybe in the early church, maybe the apostles, uh, but I don't think, first of all, one person can't do everything, but I think God has specifically equipped people that they have things that they can contribute, but they also have deficiencies as well. So that we never think that, well, I don't need you or we don't need each other because I can do everything. No, we don't. We're each equipped differently and we're each needed and we each need each other to fulfill this ministry. Now, this also means that when even, you know, coming to church or uh, viewing, you know, who does the ministry, if you think of it with like a sports metaphor, again, um, it's like who, if you think of it like an arena, you, you go to a, a big sporting event and you have all the spectators that are there. They're not playing, they're, they're the spectators. And they watch and they cheer or their team does bad, they boo them. And I think a lot of times there are people that go to church and that's how they view it. That I'm going to come, I'm in, the, I'm in the stands, I'm watching, and if I like it, I'll cheer. If I don't like it, I'm, I'm going to boo. And that's, that's your job. But if this is the, uh, what we're seeing in Scripture, if there's a different way of thinking, that changes the place of where Christians think they should be. Are you in the stands or you, are you on the field? Think of it this way. In the older way of thinking that I think is incorrect, it's like the pastors are the players. You're the ones, you know, uh, down in the arena doing the ministry, and the members are the spectators, the people that come to church or come to watch them and maybe watch the praise team too and, and again, cheer or boo. Another way to think of it is that the pastors are the, like, more like the coaches, equipping and training all of the members who are the players that are on the field, not in the stands, but in the field, in the game, doing the work of ministry. And that's the attitude that we need to have. And if that is true, that means that uh, we need to empty the stands. Okay, get in the game. Get down on the field. Get into the action. Stop. We need to stop. move from this spectator mindset to actually being involved in the work of ministry that God has called each of us to in Christ. Now, sometimes people say, well, I'd love to, but I'm just, I'm not able to. I don't have the ability to do it. I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not equipped to do this. And so the second point in this message is this, is that if we're supposed to be off the, off the stands and onto the field, one thing we need to realize is that everyone in the church should be equipped and active in serving God by fulfilling the mission of the church. Equipped and active. And one of the great things I can tell you is that every Christian has been equipped by God for service. That you already have been equipped by God. Uh, because scripture teaches this, that uh, the moment that you were saved, okay, uh, the moment that you trusted personally Jesus Christ, the Lord, as your personal Savior, you realize that you're a sinner, 
you turn to him in repentant faith, recognizing and believing Jesus Christ, the God-man, died on the cross for you and rose again, and you, you trust that he died to, to save you. Um, scripture says that you're born again. It says that you're justified, means you're declared righteous in God's sight. You're set apart as a, he views you as a saint. You're holy in his eyes. The Holy Spirit comes into your life, starts changing you from the inside out. But one of the other things that it talks about is also that uh, and you're forgiven, reconciled to God, but you're also given gifts by uh, Christ through the Holy Spirit that it refers to as spiritual gifts. And these spiritual gifts are given to, to every believer. Okay, if you're a genuine believer, everyone has one, at least one, that you can learn to use, learn to um, uh, used for the purpose of building up the body of Christ, doing the work of ministry that he calls us to. There's a few places that talk about this. You could look at all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But here, 4 through 7 says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. So there's different spiritual gifts that people have, but it's all from one source, from the Holy Spirit, there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So everyone that's a genuine Christian, that's in the body of Christ, all come from the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, even though they look different in different people, because God has given us different gifts. And this is to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And you see over and over, it talks about why the spiritual gifts are given. It's not for our, our, ourselves to use selfishly, but it's for the common good. It keeps repeating that. Or for the building up of the body of Christ, which is the mission that we have. Helping other people to be saved, okay, to come into the body of Christ, and to help each other to grow as Christians, uh, to be maturing, um, being more and more devoted to God, putting away sin, loving and treasuring him more and more. Romans chapter 12 is another place where it talks about some of these uh, gifts as well. And I'll read that to you. Romans 12, 4 through 8. For as in one body we have many members. Okay, this is uh, a metaphor that's used about the church a lot. That the church is the body of Christ. And, you know, next week we're going to talk about uh, unity in the body of Christ. And even though there's many parts, in the same way that your body has many parts, many members, it's, you got one body. In the same way the church has many parts, but it's one body. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, uh, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And then it talks about spiritual gifts. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts you know, encouragement in his exhortation, to the one who contributes, uh, giving funds, giving money in generosity, to the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And this is a sampling of you know, some of the, the spiritual gifts that God gives to each of us. And sometimes people wonder, well, how can I learn what my spiritual gifts are? And you know, sometimes people talk about having uh, you know, 
you know, take a test online. Sometimes I think those are not really all that helpful. And if they were accurate, somebody that's not a Christian, you know, they do those little surveys and we say, you don't have any spiritual gifts. Um, but I think some of the best ways, one would be talk to the people that know you well. What do they see in your life? And sometimes they, have, they see an aptitude that you have that maybe that you don't realize or in your, your humility or fear that you're not um, willing to, uh, to admit that maybe that you don't see because you're too close to it. But maybe the people that are really close to you could say, I definitely see you having this you know, area that God has equipped you for service. And the other would be try different things. And you're going to find you know, the things that you really excel in and that you really grow in. I do want to point out, don't just say, well, I don't have this certain spiritual gift, so I don't have to do it. Okay, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I don't have to talk to anybody about Jesus. I don't have the gift of teaching, so I don't have to tell my kids about the Bible. You know, leave that to others. I don't have the gift of giving, so uh, I guess I get to keep all my tithes. No, there's plenty of things that God um, wants us to do, whether it's your specific spiritual gift or not. And there are times in the time of need, God will help you regardless if it's your actual spiritual gift or not. So just try different things and serve God and look for the needs that are, that are out there. And some of these gifts you're, you're able to, um, to uh, you know, improve on or to grow in as you live them out. But they're all for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. So that removes kind of one of the excuses saying, well, I'm just not equipped. If you, if you're a Christian, God has equipped you, and it's his power working through you. It doesn't mean you're passive. It doesn't mean, you know, uh, never grow, but it means that God has given you things that you can serve him in different ways. Also, God has equipped each of us for service, but also every Christian should be constantly equipped by the church. Again, the passage we looked at in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, you know, if that is true, it says the job of church leaders or the pastors is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so, I mean, that's what we're doing every week. Okay, when you come to church on Sunday, when you come and you're, you're sitting in the sermon, I hope that that is part of the mindset that you have is that you are coming to be in equipped so that you can serve God better. And whether the sermon that week is something that you feel directly pertains to you or not, to realize that uh, the more that you are under the word of God, you're learning from the word of God, you're being equipped to serve him better in different ways. That's what we do. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have Wednesday programming. And I hope you're coming to these things. And if you do, you're going to, this is how we, the major way that we equip you to serve the Lord. Are you coming to be entertained or are you coming to be equipped? It's a different mindset that you're going to have and a different way of sitting under, let's say, just the sermon uh, if you have that different mindset that you're coming to be equipped. That also means that there's going to be some times where you feel like you know, the, the message of the day doesn't directly pertain to you. But you're going to realize that it pertains to you in a different way if you realize that maybe this isn't right for you right now. Okay, maybe it's for you in the future. But maybe it's so that God is equipping you to, to, be, to use this in somebody else's life. Uh, 
I remember when I was in high school, the youth group I was in, one week they had a, a topical message and it was on anorexia, okay? And, um, well, I don't suffer from anorexia, okay? It is not something that is a personal uh, <laughs> problem for me, but it is for other people. And I remember thinking, okay, I could have skipped this week of, um, of youth group because I, I don't need to hear this. But then later on, I realized there are a lot of people that uh, this is something that is uh, a tough thing for them and is something that affects them. And shifting my mindset from just what's in it for me to, okay, I may never have this problem, but there are going to be people that God is going to call me to help, that he's equipping me to help somebody else that has this. If you shift your mindset like that, every Sunday school class Every uh, sermon that you go to, every Bible study that you go to, you're going to look at in a different way. That God is equipping you for other activities, other ministries that you could do in other people's lives as well as your own. You watch some of these, you know, uh, movies with these different, uh, like, super spies. You know, it always hits me, like, how much training they may have. You know, they do skydive and they, then they fight a bunch of people and then they're able to hack into the computer and defuse a bomb and you think... You know, how much training for every possible you know, event, every possible thing that might happen to them you know, that these super spies have, uh, these highly trained people. Let me tell you this. My, my secret goal for you is to uh, make you into Navy SEALs of ministry. Okay? That you are just equipped as much as possible for anything that life would throw at you. And that's what I hope, that we're growing towards that, equipped for every possibility uh, we're never going to hit that, but that more and more uh, God is, is preparing us to be used in all kinds of different ways. Let me say this too. Sometimes people think, well, I can't serve unless I'm, just, I'm perfectly equipped. The bigger question a lot of times is, are you, are you teachable? Teachability is such a big thing. Um, <laughs> I didn't come up with this. But really, we look for volunteers. The best volunteers are, um, are, are F-A-T, fat. But it means faithful, available, and teachable. And if you are those things, then you are somebody that we can really use. If you're faithful, if, if somebody's not faithful, that's hard. Maybe they'll show up, maybe they won't. Maybe they're going to drop the ball. Um, available, that's a big thing too. You know, if you have the most capable person in the world, but if they're just, they, they can't do it or they pack their life with all these different things, that makes it hard. But teachable, that's so huge. Because if you're teachable, uh, we can continue to grow. You know, and other leaders can, can pour into you. There's ways for you to uh, come alongside other leaders, to job shadow, to grow, to be eased into things. You know, it, it shouldn't be just, you know, instant, um, you know, sink or swim, but I would hope that in different ministries we have other people more than we actually need because some are there learning. That we're like a, a teaching hospital, you know, where people are there, you know, learning ministries, learning different skills and growing. So we're raising up more teachers, more leaders, more people in all kinds of different ministries. And also it's not just about serving God in, you know, church when you're here in this building. But your callings in life are, yeah, there's some through the church, but also God has callings for you as a parent, in the workplace, you know, in the community, 
And you need to be living out your Christian life in those areas as well, too, being equipped. And every Christian should be active in serving. Uh, not just equipped. You could have all the equipment you want. You could have a garage full of tools. You know, some guys, it's amazing. You know, massive garage full of tools. They're all organized. They're all hung up. Uh, but if you never use them, what's the point? And so it's not just about collecting tools. It's about putting them to use, actually using them. In Romans 12, 16 that we looked at before, uh, so let me point out a few words that were embedded into the middle of this. Let us use them. It's not just have them. Let us use them. Put them to use. And then finally, we think about serving the Lord. We serve the Lord this is helpful, with our time, talent, and treasure. So serve, Lord, with your time, your talent, your treasure. We, you only have so much time, and sometimes it is a sacrifice to serve the Lord in that way, to carve out time, whether it's here, whether it's doing things that you need to, preparing for different things, preparing for that lesson, growing as a Christian, your, your Bible study, your, uh, your devotion, so that you are uh, more equipped and ready to serve him in different ways. With our talents, you know, we have spiritual gifts. We also have natural talents, too, that can oftentimes be used, different skill sets, and treasure. And that is an important thing, too. And um, our treasure, you know, the money, the resources that he's given us, this is another way that we need to serve him. You know, by giving to the work of the Lord, it's a way that you take uh, the efforts that you do in the workplace, and you are... Uh, putting it in a format that can be used um, for ministry as well. And you know, if you're at your workplace and you're thinking, well, I'm going to give to the Lord, that, that changes even your view of you know, your, your nine to five job or whatever your work schedule is. That you're not just there um, doing something for yourself. Uh, and hopefully you realize it's a calling and that you're doing you know, good for the community and the world by the job that you're doing. But also, if you're thinking, I am making money that's going to help support missionaries. I am making money that's going to go help uh, you know, the church fulfill its mission to reach people for, for Jesus Christ and for them to grow. Uh, that changes your mindset of, of uh, your work week if you're thinking that way. In Scripture, Jesus taught, Luke 12, 34, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, talking about giving, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Notice both sides of that. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, they had the tithe, and uh, people debate, you know, are we supposed to tithe today? And some people feel that we are, and some say that, well, that's, you know, in the Old Testament, there were tithes, and there were some times where there was, you gave more than the 10%. Uh, but it doesn't strictly say that in the New Testament for us today. And that's probably true. I think you'd want to ask, but is that still a good guideline? Should we give less than that? Bible talks about giving as you've been prospered. You know, so the more God has given you, the more resources you do have to give for his work. And maybe that's just a starting point. Um, but, you know, each has decided in his heart with God and his conviction to you. But, it says not reluctantly or under compulsion. So not compelling you to, you know, we don't uh, come in and 
write your checks for you or you know, automatically deduct from your account. That's in one way it's between you and the Lord, but it also says not reluctantly too. And so if that's the issue, you know, it's like, I don't want to part with this. this I need this. I want this. Uh, that's a, an unhealthy attitude towards giving, you know, as well. Giving is a mark of a maturing Christian. It is. It's not the only thing, but it is a mark of a maturing Christian. That you love God and you love his work so much that you're able to give some of your resources to go to that work. And yeah, that means there's less for you to do all the things that you want to do. And that makes it somewhat of a sacrifice for the Lord. I would encourage you wherever you're at in your giving to take a look at that and to um, you know, ask God if he would have you to start making, um, if, you're, if you're good where you are, or if God would have you to start making steps towards improving that. You know, we are saved, we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. I think that's really important. The Bible is really clear about this. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 talks about how we're saved, forgiven, you know, reconciled to God, because we're all sinners and we need forgiveness. And it's really clear how we're not saved. You are not saved by being a good person. You are not saved by doing good things. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Grace means gift. It means free gift. So if you are forgiven by Christ, it's not because you work real hard or you're real dedicated. That's not how anyone is saved. It's not by your works. It's by his work, Jesus's, but not by ours. Okay? And it says how it's received, too. That it's not received by, uh, again, by doing good works. It's not received uh, by going through any human ceremony, okay, or anything that we do, but it's by faith, which means trusting, relying upon him. So salvation is given by grace alone. It's free gift. We don't earn it. Jesus earned it for you. You receive the gift by believing, by trusting, turning to him, and accepting the free gift that he gave you, okay? But it's important for us for the Christian life to also look at verse 10, and it says, for we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this means that you are not saved by good works, but you are saved for good works. You're saved to serve him. You're saved to serve others, other people. And God wants you to do that. We do that out of gratitude. We do it out of love for the Lord. There's some things in your bulletin I want you to look at. And you don't have to fill this out, all these right now, but on the back of the outline, if you've been taking notes, on the back it says personal service inventory. And I'd like you, I, I may ask that you would do this sometime today, if not even starting it right now, maybe to think about how have you been serving the Lord through the church? And I have a few spaces here to write down, you know, maybe you teach, you serve in nursery, you do this, you do something else. How often do you do it? Uh, you know, is this a once a year thing? Is it every week? So you're just taking a look at this. And some might say, well, there's a lot of dots here, there's a lot of spaces. Uh, there are some people here that will fill in all of these. 
We say, well, that's too much. And maybe it is. Maybe there's some that they need to make sure that they're being ministered to instead of just doing ministry. But also it might be the case that some people are doing all those things because other people aren't. And maybe this is something that God, as you look at this and say, how am I serving now? Not how have you served in the past, but how are you serving now? That maybe God will work some conviction to say that he has other things that he wants you to consider being involved in or to consider doing. I have a few other questions there because I want this to be a, a practical message for you that I want you to think about. Question, what skills or abilities do you have that you could use to help the church fulfill our mission? Whether it's spiritual gifts, whether it's natural talents, whether it's skills that you have learned over time, just make a list of those and potentially that um, maybe that you could be using in the life of the church. Question, remember that the best Christian workers are FAT, faithful, available, and teachable. And think about your life. How are you in each of those ways? Uh, are you, do you have a problem with one of them? You know, do you have a, a, a spirit that is not teachable? You don't want to uh, grow or, or, or listen. How available, teachable, faithful are you? And one here, this gets personal. These are, these are for you. Okay, don't turn this in. Okay, but to think about your giving as well too. Um, you know, what percentage of your income are you contributing to support God's work through your church? Maybe take a look at that, your, your, your monthly giving. What percentage of your, uh, even just of your take-home pay are, are you giving? Um, and I know some people give every week, some people give once a month, but there comes a time it's good to assess that. And then you could even ask, did you give financially this week? Because sometimes it's this hypothetical thing where you realize, well, I haven't really gotten around to do that for a while. And I say this not because we're, um, we're hurting or just looking for your money, but it is, I think, a mark of a maturing Christian and a mark of health for the church as well. If something else that's in there too that I would like you to pull out, and maybe this is something that you can fill out and even turn in uh, even before we, before we leave here, but this is kind of this uh, kind of neon-looking card. This is a ministry interest card. Okay, because we talk about ministry serving here, but we want to give you a chance to respond and try to help to pull you into things because there are needs that the church has. And we want to know if you have some interest in some of these, uh, whether it's you really want to get in or you're at least just open to having somebody contact you to discuss maybe how you could uh, be involved. So if you could fill out your name, your phone number. Now, if you're a visitor or you're just brand new to the church, we're not trying to just rush you into something. I'd be glad for you to just, you know, keep attending for a while so you can, you know, understand what the church is all about. But whether you're a member or you've been here for a while and you, this is your church home, uh, maybe this is a point where you realize, yeah, I need to start getting in the game, at least to a degree. Uh, let us know if you're a member yet. Yes, no, maybe you're in process. You could also, maybe you're not a member, but you're like, yeah, but, you know, hey, let me know the next time you have a class. Maybe mark that on there, too, so we can let you, uh, can reach out to you. Um, there are some things you don't need to be a member, but there are some things that, that you would need to be a member in order to do. And then, what we have here is general interest areas. And mark any or all that you might be interested. This is not every possible ministry in the church. Uh, there's a more specific things, and there's some that, you know, aren't listed here, uh, but some of the general areas that maybe it'd be great for you to let us know that you are interested in. 
This doesn't obligate you, okay? Uh, and this also doesn't guarantee, it doesn't mean, well, I checked this, so I, I wrote that I want to, you know, sing a solo every week. Like, well, <laughs> that may not happen. So it's not a, it doesn't guarantee you to serve in a specific way. And also, it doesn't mean that there's an, a need for everything right now, but it's good to know that you might be somebody that we can contact in the future or help to grow in these different areas. I noticed one of them, well, working with kids, there's always a need that we have for working with kids and for the nursery, okay? It is a constant need. And, uh, and that is also because of one thing that is a mark of health in our church, that we have kids here, okay? We wouldn't have this problem if we were a church with no kids. And there are a lot of churches like that. I talk to a lot of pastors that have no problem staffing the nursery because there's no one there. And their church is going to die soon. So we need to ask ourselves, do we want to continue to be a church that is going to grow and be here for the next decades and maybe another 170 years or until the Lord comes? And if that's the case, we need to minister to these kids. Now, some of you, I just know this because I've heard it still, if you've said in your head right now, I've done my time, I would ask you to please reconsider that statement. I've heard that going around, and I would like you to, I would ask you please to just delete that from your mindset, okay? And I don't know if, maybe there was a time, you know, in, in the past, Uh, When you worked real hard, maybe you were burned out. And I don't know why the people that were older than you, if that's the case, that they didn't help and just said, you're on your own, you have to do it. But I think that would have been wrong of them. And we do have new people coming in, and we do have young families. You know, and I think there's a lot more people that could help in this um, than that do. It doesn't mean you have to get to do it like every month. Maybe we'll contact you, and even if you did it every other month or something, uh, that could be a big help to people. And if we think about the mission that we have as a church, uh, making disciples, okay? Think of, it's not just that you're helping in the nursery or with a preschool program. Um, Yeah, you're ministering to those kids in a way, but you are making disciples because while you are caring for that kid, it means that mom or dad or mom and dad are able to be in the service. Maybe hearing the gospel maybe understanding the gospel for the first time and being saved, okay? And while you're there caring, you know, for that baby so that the family can do that, um, it's, you're caring for the baby and therefore, um, yeah, I mean, if we had lots of, um, you know, children in here, in one way that could be great and it's great that some people aren't distracted, uh, but there's a lot of people that would be distracted. And maybe you're also helping to make it in a way by caring for those kids where people that really need to hear that message are able to focus on it without another thing that's, you know, pulling their attention away. Growing in discipleship. You know, that uh, young mom that you're helping out to do this is now being fed uh, in the service rather than uh, just having to, to, to work and work and not being in the service or in a ministry to be able to be fed. 
So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be on the ground, you know, with the kids. We have a different mix in there. Uh, but can you hold a baby? There's different things. So if you mark this, what we're going to do is we're going to reach out to you and just talk to you and find out what might be a good way for you to serve and uh, some of the possibilities. Um, so yeah, look through some of these different things. Um, music, facilities. A lot of you guys have different ab abilities and gifts, taking care of things, handy abilities. You know, let us know. Maybe it means you want to be in building and grounds. Maybe it means you just have, let us know, you're really good at this thing, and when we need somebody to do that thing, that you're somebody that we can talk to. At the end of the form, I have this too. Remember that there are also many ways to advance the mission of the church that don't need to be organized by the church too. So I don't want you to have the mindset of, well, I'm not going to do anything until you give me a job to do. Because a lot of what we do doesn't need to be organized by the church. And I give some examples. Inviting people to church. Share the gospel message with non-Christians. Visit and help people in the church family who are sick, lonely, or, in need, or need help. Give help to the poor or the suffering. Invite people to your house for a meal and fellowship. Be intentionally welcoming to newcomers at church. Help people build connections to each other. Be faithful and generous with your financial giving. Be active in prayer for our church and for our missionaries. These are all ways that we fulfill the mission of the church. And we should be doing both. Some things through the church and also things that you're just doing in your calling as a Christian. Because in a healthy church, every member embraces the fact that he or she is an essential part of fulfilling the mission. So are you still sitting in the stands or are you willing to get in the game? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, Lord, in Jesus Christ. But you've also saved us for good works, for building up the body of Christ, for ministering to each other, Lord God. And thank you that you equipped each Christian to serve you in distinct ways, Lord, as we work together as one body for the one mission that we have to glorify you, Lord God. So Lord, help us to be about that work. Help us uh, to be, be equipped and to be active in serving you for the glory of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.